Thank you very much, Tim, for bringing us uh, those Bible readings this morning. That was a really confident and, um, and, and great. So thank you very much for uh, those readings uh, this morning. Um, morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you uh, here this morning at 10.30. Uh, it's been a jovial start uh, this morning, which has been great. But I'm sorry it's come at the expense of our comfort breaks uh, this morning. But hopefully we'll all be uh, okay as we journey uh, together through this worship time and then morning tea uh, afterwards. Can I extend my thanks to Neil and Marianne for all your hard work behind the scenes in sorting out our plumbing over uh, these, these next few days. Well done, well done. Uh, shall we pray as we come to uh, today's uh, passage? May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's hard to find uh, wholesome TV shows these days, isn't it? Um, as um, uh, Ruth and I have been bringing up our two girls, Esther and Martha, for many years we didn't have uh, a television. Um, my view was, well, they can have a boring childhood like I had in Portland, where we just had the two TV channels, BTV6 from Ballarat, and of course the good old uh, ABC. Um, so for a number of years we, we didn't have a, a TV and uh, they weren't exposed to all the advertising and s stuff uh, on, on television. Uh, but uh, that all changed with the beginning of the pandemic and we um, uh, kind of loosened the rules and went out and purchased a, a, a TV. And obviously it's a different um, proposition these days because it's not just a couple of terrestrial uh, channels, is it? Uh, the TVs are connected to the internet and you can get all sorts of uh, streaming uh, things and, uh, and shows uh, through these various um, programs uh, and things of that nature. Um, I asked uh, Wednesday this week if anybody had any favourite wholesome TV shows and uh, uh, Peter and Margaret's um, Goddard's daughter, Ange, uh, put her hand up and she said, oh, Doghouse is my favourite TV show. Hands up if you like watching Doghouse. Is that a favourite for anybody? A couple, but maybe not too happy about putting hands up, but um, I can tell. There's a number of you here who like Doghouse. It's a fantastic TV show if you've not seen Doghouse. It's a, um, there's a UK version and an Aussie uh, version, such as its popularity. It's about a dog pound, and um, you learn all about the backgrounds to these dogs, uh, why they've ended up in the pound, and you know, their kind of strengths and weaknesses. And then you learn about uh, the, the person or the, the couple or the family uh, who are in the market for a dog and the reasons why they're looking for a dog. Uh, so it's a really touching show as you see um, prospective dog um, owners uh, meeting these dogs and seeing if they make a, a good and right uh, connection. So good TV shows can be, can be hard to find. Uh, we subscribe to Disney+, Plus, uh, which generally has fairly wholesome content. And uh, one of the films on there at the minute is the new version of Aladdin, uh, starring the American actor Will Smith, who plays the role as the genie. And if you've not seen the latest film, you'll probably all be able to recall the plot of Aladdin. Aladdin is a poor street kid uh, who has a monkey called Abu. And Aladdin, uh, he's been shot with Cupid's arrow. He's fallen in love with Princess Jasmine. Uh, but being a street kid, he has no way of ever meeting the princess, let alone being a romantic match for her. But that all changes, doesn't it, when Aladdin and Abu find a magic lamp and they release 
genie from insight who grants them three wishes. One of which is for Aladdin to become a prince, so to woo Princess Jasmine. Long story short, she finds out that he was once a poor street kid, but they still fall in love with each other. They defeat the baddies and they live happily ever after. Of course, it's Disney, happily ever after. So the genie in the bottle is this catalyst for changing around the fortunes and life of poor Aladdin. As we come to Mark's Gospel and Mark chapter 10, we see that Jesus too is a catalyst, but not just for one person and not because that one person has done something for Jesus and he's doing a good thing in return. Jesus is bringing change and transformation to all that he encounters out of his great love and mercy for us. So Jesus is similarly a catalyst in people's lives. Yes, bringing liberation and freedom and new life, but also bringing some harsh words of challenge and bringing confrontation to people and not all can accept his words. So in Mark chapter 10, we see briefly the children who are kept away from Jesus by Jesus' followers are then brought to the centre and are included in Jesus' presence by Jesus' invitation. We meet a rich young ruler uh, who has everything in the world. He meets with Jesus and he leaves crestfallen and sad because his everything in the world gets in the way of his possession of the kingdom of heaven. Then we see James and John and they're getting all excited about what Jesus is doing and what life is going to be like in his kingdom and they go can we have the places at your right and left hand side Jesus but Jesus teaches them that those places are reserved for the criminals who will be crucified by the side of Jesus and so they learn something of the costly nature of discipleship through that interaction so Jesus is encountering the world, his followers, and he's turning the world upside down or the right way up as he overturns normal societal categories in the coming of his kingdom of heaven. So as people encounter Jesus on the road, lives are transformed through the new reign of God that has broken in. But it's not always an easy message to hear. The rich young ruler, James and John, receive some harsh truths. The former leaves sad, unable to heed the liberating news. The latter take Jesus' teaching on board and they are liberated to serve Jesus afresh with a new understanding of the cost of following Jesus. Then... This big group of people arrive to Jericho. What will happen in Jericho? Who will they meet there? Will the people in Jericho receive Jesus and his challenging yet liberating word? Or will they, like the rich young ruler, go away sad? Uh, Jericho, as we know, uh, is the first city that fell to the Israelites as they entered the land of Canaan. Uh, the Israelites followed God's instructions to march around the city walls for seven consecutive days. 
which led to the walls uh, falling down and victory for God's people. Then we come to Bartimaeus on the roadside as they are leaving Jericho. And we see that he is suffering from various strongholds, you could say, in his life. Uh, namely, that he is blind and he is poor. And that's the reason why he's out by the roadside begging. His blindness is such a feature. We even add his main impairment to his name. We don't often call Bartimaeus Bartimaeus. We often call him blind Bartimaeus. But his blindness is not the only thing that is diminishing his life. For we find him, or rather Jesus finds him by the roadside begging. He can't support himself. So he sits where there are many passers by and he is dependent on them with a handout for his upkeep. But when he encounters Jesus, he doesn't ask Jesus for his maintenance, nor does he, in the first instance, ask Jesus to correct his most obvious point of need, his greatest impairment, his blindness. I'll come back to his request in a moment. But first of all, he has a job to get through to Jesus, doesn't he? Uh, just like the account of the children at the beginning of Mark chapter 10, uh, coming to Jesus and Jesus' followers getting in the way and preventing them from reaching Jesus. The same thing is happening again here. They haven't learnt. Some of Jesus' followers were getting in the way again. Bartimaeus shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it's difficult to avoid or suppress someone who is shouting, uh, but Jesus' followers tried to. We're told, many sternly ordered him to be quiet. Why were they doing this? Well, we don't really know. But I think it's safe to assume that as followers of Jesus, they were still learning what it means to follow the one who is moved with compassion so often with the people that he meets on the way to Jerusalem. In Bartimaeus' request for mercy, this blind beggar who can't physically see actually possesses more insight than some of Jesus' followers, both in knowing and correctly identifying who Jesus is as the son of David and knowing of the work that he has come to do in the world, to have mercy on his children. And this is what Bartimaeus asks for in the first instance. He doesn't think that God is angry with him or is punishing him. He comes out and he asks for mercy. He asks for mercy. But also notice what Bartimaeus doesn't say here. Bartimaeus doesn't complain to God for the years of impairment and hardship. He doesn't seek recompense for his suffering. Bartimaeus doesn't ask 
for riches or for his sight back in the first instance. No. Bartimaeus asked for something far greater than sight and far greater than worldly riches. He asks for something that has eternal consequences that can benefit him right in the here and now. He asks to be the recipient of God's mercy. He asks to be the recipient of the mercy of God. And as we look right throughout the Bible, we see that the mercy of God is a continual thread and theme. God heard the cries of the Israelites who were enslaved to the Egyptians and he was moved, so moved that he called Moses to go and deliver them into freedom and into a new life. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 55 writes this, Turn to the Lord and pray to him now that he is near. Let the wicked leave their way of life and change their way of thinking. Let them turn to the Lord, our God. He is merciful and quick to forgive. This is getting right to the heart what our God is like. When we come to the Gospels, and in particular Luke's Gospel, and we see Mary and Zechariah, we see them sing to God. Where Mary, the mother of Jesus, was told that she was with child, uh, through the Holy Spirit, she sang, she burst into song. My heart praises the Lord. My soul is glad because of God, my Saviour. For he has remembered me, his lowly servant. Again, somebody else on the edge. From now on, all people will call me happy because of the great things the mighty God has done for me. His name is holy from one generation to another. He shows mercy to those who honor him. He shows mercy from one generation to another for those who honor him. One generation from another. For those here at St. Matthew's Kensington, God has shown mercy to. And he continues to show his mercy to us. God has come to show mercy to those made in his image. To you and to me. That is what our God is like. Is a God of mercy, full of grace and truth. When we receive the mercy of God into our lives, it becomes the wellspring, the source, the inspiration of our moral and ethical lives. Uh, we see this uh, in Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, where he outlines the, the gospel of God. And he, as he spends 11 chapters, the first 11 chapters, in writing about the mercies of God. And then he spends the last four chapters, 12 to 15, 
talking about our response to the mercies of God. So Paul writes this in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore. So this is having explained in detail the mercies of God in the first 11 chapters. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So 11 chapters writing about the mercy of God. And then with these mercies in mind, then offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So yes, we receive God's mercy. And then in view of God's mercy, we then live our lives as Christians in response to the initiative that God is taking in sending Jesus to us, bringing us forgiveness, new life, with that mercy in mind, that is the inspiration for us to live the Christian life, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices in the world. So by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Friends, God's mercy, this is the rescue. This is the solution to the world's biggest problem of sin and death. Out of God's great love for us, he has come to us. He has taken on flesh. He has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ to dwell among us, to live in our midst, and to bring his mercy to us. So in Bartimaeus encounters Jesus, this mercy is what he asks for in the first instance. He is asking for all of God's blessing and all of God's benefits for his whole body right there and then. Uh, He is shouting. He's not asking quietly. He is shouting, unafraid of the crowd and what people might perhaps think of him. But he doesn't care. God is right there in front of him. And he is asking him for all that God can give him. Bartimaeus has identified the one who has come to restore the world, including people like Bartimaeus, someone who is blind and begging by the roadside. Bartimaeus is emboldened by the presence of God in front of him and he asks for all that God can give him. It's so consistent with Jesus' teaching uh, on prayer, isn't it? Uh, To ask. Why? Because God has good things to give us. Jesus teaches us this um, in, in the Gospels. We're to continue to ask God for all of his grace and mercy, love and truth, all that he wants to give us in our lives. God only has good things for us as his children, as his followers. So the mercies of God are, yes, general, 
forgiveness, new life, freedom, but also particular. So Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He puts the ball in his court. He doesn't presume uh, to know what Bartimaeus wants in the particular. And so he asks, he's that interested. What do you want me to do for you? Maybe that is a question that God is asking each of us today. What do you want me to do for you? Have a think about it. In your Christian life, what do you want God to do for you? As you gather here at St. Matthew's Kensington and as you encounter the triune God, what do you want God to do for you today? Bartimaeus, with blindness being such a powerful and strong impairment, it doesn't put him off asking that big request of God. He asks and his prayer is answered and his sight is restored. Friends, God can do big things in our lives, can't he? We can ask our big prayers of God. And this passage teaches us that he hears, well, he's interested, he cares, he wants to know, he hears and he answers our prayers. And we see this healing and transformation in all its fullness right at the end of the Bible, don't we, in Revelation chapter 21. So this healing of Bartimaeus is a foretaste a sign pointing us towards what God will do in all its fullness when Jesus comes again in his second coming to restore creation and indeed the whole world. And we, we get a, a, a snapshot of this in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Friends, that is our future. That is our hope. That is what God is going to do one day. We don't know when. It could be tonight. It could be next Friday. We don't know. But Jesus teaches us that he will come like a thief in the night. So we must be ready. We must be ready through our service, through our participating in the mission of God. We must not be idle. We must be faithful to God, serving participating with God, using our gifts that he has given us. In that way, we are ready and expecting God's return. 
So we need to be watching and waiting for Jesus' return and praying expectantly uh, that he will be present and active in the life of our church and in the world as he has been since God's kingdom came to earth in the presence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So friends, our God is a God of mercy. He brings change and transformation in people's lives. He frees them. He takes Bartimaeus from a roadside. Bartimaeus becomes a follower of Jesus. His life is completely transformed and changed around. God's done that with us, and he will do that with the people that you meet as you bring Jesus to people through the way you live your lives in the power of the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the mercies of God uppermost in your mind by the mercies of God offer yourselves as a living sacrifice so friends in response to Bartimaeus what a guy in response to him May we continually reach out following his example and ask for God's mercies generally but also specifically and in the hope and trust that like Bartimaeus, Jesus will bring to us a present sign of his grace and mercy to each of our lives and to the lives of those we encounter as we journey through the life that God has gifted us here in Adelaide. Amen.